Hello, everyone, and welcome to HP Critical, a podcast where me and my friends discuss all things gaming. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm joined by my pal, Jarrell, here. Hey, guys. Today, we're discussing an interesting topic. It's a topic, well, it's hard to summarize, but let me do my best. Basically, we want to talk about how our perceptions of games uh, change throughout the years, both in our personal lives and, you know, the gaming populace in general. Like, so, for example... When you're when you're a child, sure, some children may enjoy games that are directed toward them, you know, like your cute games like Pokemon or Mario. But there's a lot of kids that want to, you know, play like mature games because, you know, kids want to grow up faster than they than they they should. And so they may gravitate to like a shooting game or something like that. And now that, you know, we, we grow up and we get older now, a lot of us kind of want to bring it back down, like relive maybe a bit of our childhood innocence. We may gravitate to more, you know, childhood games that we appreciated in the past. So this is going to be kind of a free form discussion between me and Jarrell. We're going to basically talk about maybe games that we enjoyed when we were younger and games that we enjoy now, see if that's really changed. And then we're going to talk about how gaming in general has changed for the populace. Specifically, why did certain games that we revere now did not get that same respect did not get the same respect at the time why are they revered now when they weren't then so we're going to go into those two topics mostly so let's start with the first one Jarrell, what kind of games when you were younger did you find yourself enjoying what did you gravitate more towards oh man i'm so excited for the second one because i automatically thought <laughs> of the game but um, oh yes for me it was a lot of i used to play uh with my sisters so it was a lot of family type games my sisters are five years older than i am Okay. So we did a lot of, uh, I didn't have an SNES. Um, I'm, uh, we had a Sega Genesis. Um, okay. So I remember playing things like, you know, Jurassic Park um, until we got the Nintendo 64. Then it was a lot of Mario Kart and Diddy Kong Racing and Wave Race, a bunch of racing games that I could play with my siblings. Um, and then the PlayStation uh, 1 we got, you know, we did lots of Spyro, Crash Bandicoot um, until my sister stopped playing with me. Um, yeah, so, you know, a lot of action-adventure stuff. Um, and, and then as I got older, I moved into things like, you know, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy X was my first and still my favorite Final Fantasy of all time. Moved over to, Same you know, more, here. Yes, moved over to more RPGs and stuff. So it was pretty much just, you know, the basic things that everyone else has played. Crash stuff, Spyro stuff, uh, uh, Banjo-Kazooie on the Nintendo 64. A bunch of action-adventure titles, puzzle platformers, that type of stuff. Okay, yeah. My, for me, it's it's more it's more or less the same. Um, I gravitated. So my first system was the um, N sixty four. I didn't have the Super Nintendo either, but um, I gravitated to a lot of party games when I was younger. I, I also did like a lot of um, action adventure games when I was younger. I didn't have like um, siblings that were really interested in like uh, multiplayer games. So uh, I, ironically enough, I have like all the Mario parties from two onwards, but I ended up playing a lot of them by myself. It's not until recent years where I started making like a lot of friends that I've really started to enjoy these multiplayer games and like actually had people, you know, come over and play them. But yeah, my main thing was just like action adventure games, uh, Mario party. I did have one really good friend back when I used to live in New York and he's the one that really like put me onto like a lot more genres than I was back then. And that's how I got into stuff like legend of Zelda, uh, Super Smash Brothers, Kirby, Pokemon, what have you. So I, I owe him a lot. But that's a, the big of my. That's the main 
of my um, early games that I played. Just, you know, a lot of action adventure. I didn't really play a lot of mature games. Like, I was one of those few kids that was just not in a rush to grow up. My nephew once got me Turok 2 Seeds of Evil, and I was way too young to appreciate that game at the time. Like, I was scared of the scary dinosaurs that were coming at me with talents. First person, blood everywhere. I was terrified. But yeah, like when I was younger, that's really it. Now, as I've gotten older, which I guess we'll transition to next, um, my tastes in games haven't really changed drastically over the years. I'm still gravitating mostly to like, you know, family friendly Nintendo stuff. I have started to, you know, now that I've gotten older and can appreciate more mature literature and media and whatnot. Um, I've branched out a lot. My horizons have expanded a lot more. I do play a few more M-rated games. Like Last of Us is like probably my all-time favorite game of the PlayStation 3. And that is a game that I would have never even looked at when I was, you know, 12 or whatever. And games like Catherine I can really appreciate because it was very deeply mature storyline that that game deals with. So I I still don't find myself... uh, attracted to games that are like overtly violent that are violent for the sake of violence you know Mm -hmm. i'm not a huge first person shooter fan mind you but i I can enjoy a game if it has if it wants to tell like a more mature storyline along with my family friendly games is it is it the same for you how do you how how's your gaming Um, taste now so surprisingly i have become i i when i went to college my my first bachelor's degree is in english that's just because i became enamored with storytelling and um, books mm. and reading. And so I did a ton of reading. And so basically my my gaming preference has become anything with an amazing story that I can love, like The Last of Us. And funny that you brought yep. it up because I remember when it, before it came out, I was looking at it in Game Informer. Uh-huh. Um, and they had the pictures of like the setting and they had the um, the clickers. And when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, there's no way that I can play a game like this. This looks so scary. Um, but I, I thought it was I think I remember. Problem. I think I remember you saying that even. Like, well, did you play Last of Us right when it came out or did you pick it up later? That I was later, right? I played it uh, for the first time last year. <laughs> That's what it was, yes. Because yeah. I remember you were talking about it on our, on our, in our chat room about how, how you were playing for the first time and how you were so scared and everything. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. I was still scared. But um, the story, the storyline is what got me through that game. Um, and that's yeah. why I, I gravitated a lot towards, um, aside from, of course, the family friendly stuff. Now, my focus is pretty much on anything that has a great story. So a lot of JRPGs, a lot of uh, sprawling RPGs, you know, like uh, stuff like Dragon Age, uh, Persona 5, obviously one of my favorite games ever, sure. Persona 4, um, the more of the Final Fantasy titles. Um, anything that, oh, oh my gosh, Octopath Traveler this year, last year, whatever it came out was another one of my favorites um, because I got eight stories instead of one. So yeah, yeah anything that uh, right now, those are, those are I, I do play a lot of stuff. I am actually looking forward to getting Modern Warfare. I still haven't yet. Um, and I used to be in uh, like in love with playing Overwatch, uh, Resident Evil. Like I, I do play a lot of other things. Uh, Monster Hunter World. I played for the. I played Monster Hunter for the first time. I'm playing my first Zelda game right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> uh, are. Link's Awakening. Um, so I'm definitely still branching into everything, but I, for sure, my favorites are uh, anything with good story, big I RPG am- moments. I am so happy that you brought up Link's Awakening because that is actually a big thing that we're going to talk about for this next segment that we're going to discuss is gaming perceptions for the community in general. So Link's Awakening, it's a Legend of Zelda game. 
It's a very cute Legend of it's Zelda game. It's absolutely adorable. And Legend of Zelda as a series has run the absolute gamut in terms of art styles. There are games that are like so dark and serious. You're looking at your Majora's Mask, your Twilight Princess games that are just so serious and so dark. And then you have games like Link's Awakening and Wind Waker. I feel like <laughs> this is a side note, but I feel like if you're a Legend of Zelda fan, you're in, ge- in general, you're just like so open to like pretty much any kind of gaming styles that are out there because you're really getting almost everything if you've played like almost every game or at least most of them but that's where i wanted to segue into because i wanted to talk about links away and i'm sorry the wind waker specifically so that came out as a gamecube title it's a very good game it has its flaws sure but it's uh, but i i think most people would agree that it's a very good legend of zelda game but when that game first got announced for the gamecube everyone was uh, so against the new art style for that game it's very cute art style with flink having the big um, eyes and his head being kind of like bigger than his body, and there's still some today. That, I'm sure who um, probably Toon Link and Smash. Yes, it is. Wind That's Waker. the origin of Toon Link. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was Wind Waker's where the, that uh, design of Link made his debut. And yeah, at the time, people just really didn't like it, and there's reasons for that, you know, because. There's two reasons, two main reasons that you can like kind of lock down to that. The one is that a few years prior when the GameCube was first being demoed at the Space World um, showcase, they showed a very dark link. They showed a very dark Legend of Zelda looking trailer where Link is having like this serious battle with Ganondorf. And then the next thing they show is this cute art style. People were denied this very serious Legend of Zelda game they were looking for. The second reason is where the divide really started coming into games was like with the N64 and PS1, and especially so with the GameCube and the PlayStation 2. Dro, you mentioned that you had a PS1 as well, but you played like a lot of like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro games, right? Yes. You didn't really play any games like, say, the original Resident Evils or Metal Gear Solid or anything like that or Twisted Metal? Um, Twisted Metal scared me. <laughs> yeah, Twisted Metal scared me too. And that's because like, clowns just... And not even because clowns, because I've never been scared of clowns personally, but just the game's atmosphere, like, terrified me. I have a good friend that's, like, a huge Twisted Metal fan, but I just, ugh, it was too scary for me. But yeah, you've never, but in general, in PS1, you never really, like, touched any of those those big M-rated games that people, like, love? I did not, no. Yeah, but the thing is, like, for the PS, and I was the same way. I, I got a PS1 very late in its life, so I go, and I didn't get a whole bunch besides, like, licensed games that were just weren't on the N64. But that aside, um, yeah, a lot of people that got went to the PS1 were looking for those big RPGs that have those huge stories, or they were looking for these big, mature storylines. It's it applied to both teenagers and just adults who just happen to be gamers at the time that really applied to them that's where ps1 really stood up from the n64 i i feel and that and that divide i feel became even more pronounced with the next generation because gamecube got very very few mature titles even less than the n64 i would say whereas the ps2 and the the, the new competitor at the time the xbox original were so chocked full of like these mature games and it got to the point where if you were growing up the way I did, where you, I was like a teenager or a preteen to, to teenager playing the GameCube, you got a lot of people that kind of gave Nintendo fans guff because they were out here playing these cute baby games, whereas people who were playing the PS2 got these big epic storylines. Or if you're playing like Xbox, these big mature shooters like Halo with all this like gore and what have you, it just kind of felt like there was a divide. And so this Legend of Zelda game comes out. With Wind Waker being another cutesy game in a series that has otherwise been fairly serious, you know, 
and now it's it's never been cuter. And so people are like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought, it's just like, this is their chance to really show them that, like, yeah, Link, swords, mm-hmm. blades, bleeding blades, shit. No, we're going sailing on an adventure. When enemies die, they turn into smoke. It's like, so I understand, so I understand it now. But that's why I'm just so happy now that with Link's Awakening, Almost everyone saw this game and was so happy to see it. And yeah, so I wanted no. to ask. I mean, I, I think to ask it your... depend on who you're talking to. Just because I did yes, hear a lot of no. people who were also not very happy with the way it looked. Yes, yes, you're right. I'm not, I, I will. I would never suggest that everybody yeah, yeah, was yeah. on board with it. But mm-hmm. the, the but the you know with, with Wind Waker, it was definitely 70, 70, 30, 70 in favor saying no, I don't like this art style. Yeah. Whereas now it feels more. I would even be able to say 80-20 where if 80 people love the art style and the other 20 is like, no, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. So where, how do you think we got to this point in your opinion? How do you think we came to this point where people just seem to be more open to this? It could be specifically about Legend of Zelda or just gaming in general. You know, um, I, and I might my answer might segue into your next uh, segment or question. Um, so sure. forgive me if I go too far. But um, I actually think a lot of it has to do with exactly our, our subject, which is us uh, growing up and looking either for nostalgia or understanding things a bit more. Um, yep. Like, I, I personally, like I said, this is my first Legend of Zelda game, and literally the only reason I decided to play it is because I thought it was adorable. I, I would have skipped it when, when it was first announced. Everyone was like, oh my god, this is great. I was like, I don't play Zelda. I don't care. Uh, like, it was completely off my radar. And then I saw the beginning of it, and I was like, oh, this is so adorable. And I bought and yes, I am. I, rem- I remember you. You retweeted. You retweeted someone showing off the intro part, and that sold you like, on the game. Is, yes, I was like, this is so cute. I have to get this. And then you know, I got encouraged by everyone on Twitter that was like, "Yo, you need to try this." And I was like, "All right, let's go. I'm down for it." And I've loved every single moment of it so far. Um, Happy to hear that. I do think that it is um, gamers evolving that have created uh, this. Uh, allowed the situation to work. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. a lot of things that, so for example, another, another great example about this is resident evil Two remake that came okay. out at the beginning of this year. Um, or even kingdom hearts three. I'm going to talk about uh, all of these a little bit. Um, okay. I had never played a Resident Evil game. The first Resident Evil game I think I played was Resident Evil 5, just because I was older by that point, and they had all scared me beforehand. So I didn't yeah. play 4, 3, 2, none of them. So now that I'm you know old enough and I'm out of college and I'm doing things on my own... Um, uh, I, f- I found that we have this, you know, Resident Evil 2 remake coming out, and I was like, wow, I now have an opportunity to play this classic game that I've never played before, just because at the time I didn't feel like I would be, you know, uh, uh, unafraid enough to try it. Um, so that was a-, a perfect example of, you know, growing up and then understanding a game and being able to play it. Um, and I think the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening is another example. It was something that I had never had on my radar. Now that I've grown up a little bit more, I'm able to expand what I do like, and I'm able to give this thing a shot. And I think the the biggest and most prevalent example of us understanding games and growing up um, and being interested in games that we weren't in, interested in before, aside from Resident mm-hmm. Evil, um, is the Final Fantasy series. Uh, oh, Interesting. I think uh, with their release on the Switch, a lot of people have ah. finally had the opportunity to actually play these games for the first time. Like, 
I had a PlayStation 1. I had never actually played Final Fantasy 7. I finished it for the first time this year. I also finished Final Fantasy 9 for the first time this year. Um, so it actually gave me the opportunity to dive into these games. And a lot of people that I've talked to that have played the games, um, replaying them, they're just like, wow, you know, this, this makes much more sense as an older person. So like when I was playing through Final Fantasy 9, I kept thinking, I don't remember what year it came out, but I kept thinking, like, I would not have understood half of what was going on in this yeah. game if I played it uh, when it was released. Yeah. Uh, same thing with 7. I was like, this 7 is, I, I love it, but it has a lot going on. There's, like, plots and side plots and convoluted nonsense. And I felt like 9 was exactly the same. Doesn't mean I don't love it, because I do. But there was, like, three different villains in that game, and, like, so much was going on. It was a huge <sighs> world. And I was like, there's no way that my tiny mind would have understood any of this. Final Fantasy, I loved Final Fantasy 10. So after 10, um, I went straight to 12, because 11 was the MMO, the online MMO. And I yep. didn't have money, enough money to get... Um, 12 at the time. So I ended up taking my GameStop and a collection of my games, uh, not my GameStop, my GameCube and a collection of my games to GameStop, traded all of them in just so I could get Final Fantasy 12. So Final Fantasy 12 is the reason that I don't have a GameCube anymore. That's how desperate I was to play oh, a man. Final Fantasy game. I know. Crazy. Uh, and the worst part is that young me, uh, Half of everything that happened in that game went completely over my head because that one's huge. It's political. A lot of people call it like the Star Wars of Final Fantasy, and I would 100% agree with them. It's all about like it's 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 like Star Star Wars meets Game of Thrones meets Final Fantasy. It's huge. The characters are enigmatic and ridiculously adult. Um, that game yep. is adult, and so I think that's a perfect example because a, when it first came out. I remember people hating on it so much. Like, no one liked it. It was so different. The battle system was completely different from what we had known. Um, the characters, nobody liked Pinello or or Vaughn. And, like, a lot of people were just like, no, this is not the Final Fantasy game we wanted. It sucks. Now, it's it's crazy because it's a complete 180. And everyone loves this game now. Everyone talks about how great it is. And I remember oh, thinking, um, I used to love it. So every conversation I had was like, oh, everybody hates this game except for me. Now it's like on the top five list of a lot of people's Final Fantasy titles. Um, and mm. I think that all has to do with being able to grow up and completely understand a game in the way that it was meant to be understood because now so many more people love it. But saying that, I also think that we kind of can get stuck in a situation where, um, and this is where Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to come in, where okay. uh, we look for things to evolve with us, and they don't uh, always do that. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, whereas, I'm, so if I, if, I, if I could just uh, cut in real yeah, quick yeah, before you continue. Yeah, what I was going to say was, I'm glad that you brought up, like, um... Final Fantasy twelve specifically, because that's another game that like has changed like you said, changed perception over the years where a lot of people weren't cool were weren't feeling twelve when it came out and now it's being celebrated. I think there's another game that <laughs> controversial opinion that you, I, Gray and Christy carry about Final Fantasy thirteen, how we actually all enjoyed Final yes. Fantasy thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring it up. Yes. I loved it. And that, now that's a game I don't feel like everybody has quite turned around yet. Yeah, but, but, but 
when they had that really well sorry when it became available on xbox and it was like enhanced and Uh then everyone was able to buy it used as like gamestop and pop it in an xbox and replay it it did get you know better reviews after that like people were actually talking about it in a more positive light because they were able to replay the title so the progress is definitely there, and I feel like if they ever released the FF13 like trilogy or something, they would probably get even high. It would be even more praise. We're, we're getting off topic. I just wanted to but, point, talk about that real quick yeah. about how those games change. But as well, you were saying about Kingdom Hearts evolving with us. Um, I think that's a, and and also Final Fantasy 15. Um, I'm going to talk about both of them a little bit. I do think that those okay. are games that um were meant to evolve with us and don't or didn't necessarily do so properly. Um, I think. Uh, going from I, I know that you've played like every single Kingdom Hearts game I have not but you know you guys yeah. have uh, educated me on almost everything um, <laughs> going so going from Kingdom Hearts 2 and playing like one or two in between over to Kingdom Hearts 3 but knowing the story I enjoyed the game I, I liked it a lot um, but from the time that Kingdom Hearts 2 came out until the time that Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, one of my biggest gripes with the game was that I felt like it was just missing so much of what to get today's games have. Like, there, I in my head, in 2019, there's no reason that a game like Kingdom Hearts 3 should not have been open world, you know? So yeah, I see it what you're boggles my mind that I walked into invisible walls in this huge game. Like, I'm thinking, all right, this game is going to evolve with me. Like, I... But not only from a story standpoint, but like a gameplay standpoint, where I was playing uh, everything. Everything else that I had played throughout this year is pretty much open world or uh, or seemingly so that I don't walk into invisible walls and notice things like that. Because it's 2019. I don't think I've I've had that issue in like three years in playing games um, on the PS4. Like I don't think I've run into an issue like that where I assumed that this game was going to be something gameplay wise and it was something else. Um, so that type. Of stuff was very jarring and i was like wow this is this is not something that i'm used to but also the story i think was a little subpar with certain characters like um i wholly accepted Kyrie and axel to be uh, after you know um watching some footage and seeing their they're working together to to train as keyblade masters i was expecting a lot of stuff that you know, kind of fell flat that I didn't get. A lot of character development was left behind. And of course that could be because there's like 10 million characters to talk about. Um, yep. And then we even have, you know, the situation where there are no final fantasy characters in this game. Um, you know, things that we expected, we didn't get. And growing up, you kind of notice them more. Like, I feel like if I were younger, I would probably not care so much about um, what happens to, you know, Kyrie and Axel. And, um, like, I would care more about the overarching plot than I would about specific characters. But because I've grown up with these characters, and because I love them so much, and because I've spent so much time with them, um, and I've waited so long for them to get to this point, it was much more disappointing for them to not evolve as I feel like they should have. And that's definitely and that's definitely a problem that some games carry where they've existed for a long time and then the evolutions may not be as pronounced as what people may may like, you know? Yeah, I feel like you, they, you don't care when you're younger. Well, like, I don't really feel like I cared that much um, when I was first playing the first Kingdom Hearts game. I was just like, oh my god, Disney Final Fantasy, I just finished Final Fantasy X, this is amazing, look at, like, all the Final Fantasy characters meeting up with Disney characters, this is awesome. But now that I'm older, I'm like, alright, you better give me a good story to go along with um, all these years that I've been following. And, and the thing with Kingdom Hearts 3 is there was no Final 
Fantasy characters and in that ex- game. Exactly. No Final Fantasy characters, and I and I feel like this the the characters that I did grow up to love just didn't uh, follow suit. But yeah, that's a definite problem too. Where like you know that's and that's a that's unique to like long running game series too. You have to when when they come as they come out, they ha- they do have to evolve with player interest, and that's probably one of the biggest problems for game developers because what appeal because how do you balance that? How do you balance between the longtime fans? who want what they like but evolved and alienated them with stuff that's, like, too different. I feel like the Mario games balance this pretty well with the Super Mario World games anyway. And you know what because, that's a problem for? Sorry. Do you know what that's a problem for? Pokemon. Listen, Pokemon has definitely that had struggles with that. Biggest yes. problem for Pokemon right now. Biggest problem for Pokemon. In fact, I'll get more into that in a second. But for Mario, like, the original game is just about, you know – Go to the end of a level, jump on enemies, gain power-ups, get to the end of the level, right? Super Mario, as it went out, went forward, actually, it's funny that you were talking about Kingdom Hearts and Invisible Walls. Super Mario 64 was the first game that had those Invisible Walls. There's a mechanic in the, well, uh, sorry, a sign in Mario 64 that specifically says, sometimes when you're going to the boundaries of worlds, you'll find Invisible Walls. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it literally says that in Mario 64. It's an early-ass N64 game. They, 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 they wanted to make sure that players didn't go too far with the their newfound freedom that they have to go in all directions instead of just one and two. So there's like, hey, there's invisible walls. You can only go so far. <laughs> and then, yeah. But with Mario Odyssey, and then, you know, it goes forward to the Mario games. Like, I feel like that series has managed to balance it pretty well by, you know, giving character players um, power-ups to work with and then giving them more freedom to go, like, in bigger worlds while still not alienating the fans. But, yes, now we can transition to Pokemon. That game has definitely struggled with evolving, no pun intended, with the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because at its, at, at its core, at its wow. core, it's still, God, <laughs> at its core, it's still very much the same game. You start off as a kid in a small town, get your first starter Pokemon, collect badges, go fight champion, maybe fight an evil team along the way. And there's been a few improvements here and there. There's been new types. Sometimes they'll add features like Pokemon contests. And sometimes they may they may get a little crazy. Like Pokemon Black Two and White Two was notably the first game where you start off in a city in front of a town, but it was still like you know the core experience through and through. And yeah, it's it's pretty much that. They'll add new Pokemon. They'll add a few new features for like battles stuff like that. And the story will be a little bit different, but you're pretty much getting what you what you've always signed up for, with just maybe uh, slightly better graphics if it's like you know going from your same system, or if it's a new system, better hardware, or whatnot. But it's it's the it's this it's a similar experience. You know what you're signing up for. Most Pokemon fans are fine with the fact that the sta- uh, series doesn't change too much. It, it's Those almost Pokemon the same way. Are sick of redoing the same tutorial over and over. Tutorial is the something that they're sick of. They will redo the entire game. They, they'll do a game that plays almost identical to almost all the other past games in the series. But if they do a tutorial again, they will lose their minds. And but Sun that's Moon fa- had the worst one. Sorry. And <laughs> yes, yeah, Sun Moon did have the worst one. And you know it's fair too because it's one thing to go through an adventure that's familiar but different. It's another thing to be taught something that you already know, mm-hmm. like. Having your hand held when you're able to – hand held when you're able to walk on your own, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the progression of evolution in games where some games will change. Some will stay the same. And then it's all how our tastes evolve as well. Like what are we interested in? Yeah, I mean Pokemon is a kid's game. Like I hate to – you know, 
I'm going to play it because it's one of my favorite franchises. But it's meant to be for children, accessible for children, and that's exactly why we got, you know, Let's Go as um, a part of the franchise, to be able to introduce uh, a younger audience and make it easier for them to get into that Pokemon world. But then Pokemon also has, you know, the competitive scene, which is um, for older and younger um, generations. So I think it does sit a very fine line between both. And a lot of times it does a good job at um, allowing for both generations of this game to uh, evolve with it. Sure, sure, absolutely. And that's a benefit of long running games, I would even say, because it's like what we uh, it's like what we were talking about before, how our game interests have. But OK, actually, let me that's a good segue into another question that I wanted to ask you. So for the most part, I think from from our conversation, we've gathered that you and I have more or less had a similar game interest that they've evolved a little bit and changed over the years. How do you think that is for the average person that may be our age that are playing a game? Do you think that the average person our age is playing the exact same games that they were playing when they were younger today? Or have they assimilated more like we are or just completely changed? Like, how, What's your opinion? Uh, <laughs> to answer your question, I do believe that a lot of people are... So, first, I I guess I would say that I think we are in the prime age for video games. And by that, I mean that when developers are making games, um, I think they're aiming them towards um, our age group. Uh, so I agree. Like, if you look at anything that's coming out soon that people are anticipating, you know, Cyberpunk, uh, Death Stranding, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, Last of Us 2, all of these games are not meant for kids. Like, yeah. like literally none of them are meant for children. Um, yeah. You might be able to, you know, pull off uh, Animal Crossing if your kid is old enough and um, chill enough for something like that. Because, you know, yeah. it take a chill child to um, log in every day and take care of a town. But even that, I would say, is for um, an older audience. Um, oh, my goodness. Jarrell, you, you've, hit, you've hit on something that I didn't even consider until you started talking. Gaming as an industry has been around for a long time. And it's, yeah, like you said, all these games that are coming out, they're explicitly meant for people in our age group in their like mid to early to mid to late twenties, the twenties group basically with a few differences here and there. But yeah, it's almost entirely towards that age group and thirties and thirties. True. But what I'm saying is, is like back then gaming was a much more insular thing. So when you, when you marketed your games, it was, it was almost exclusively these games like super Mario, because who else was playing them besides kids? As we started getting to N64 and PS1, we're starting slowly, little by little, getting some of these more mature games because they're starting to realize that, well, there's some older, there, there's some people that have maybe been playing. Like if, for example, if there was like a teenager that started playing the NES, Right. And they grew up and they were still playing games. Well, now they'll want to play something like Metal Gear Solid or your Final Fantasy seven that has these complicated stories because now they're in their like 20s. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it's coming more and more because the the bar because more and more kids are playing games these days. So naturally, the industry is, is targeting us, our age group, more because we grew up with them. I think that's going to continue going forward as well, where there's always the balance, I think, is going to become even more. It's going to become more closer to the, to the even 50-50 because it's just going to become that kind of thing where – like movies, there's a – what would you say the movie balance is between like a, a movie that's like maybe P, I was PG or G to like a PG-13 to an R movie? Do you think it's fairly balanced right now? I, I have no idea actually. 
Yeah, it's 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 tough, but I think but but I think I can answer my own question. If you look at like all these big Marvel movies or these Star Wars movies that like get so much money each year, those are the big multimedia franchise multi movie franchises that are like constantly PG thirteen. I think that answers my question there. That it's because those are games games movies that are you know kids will enjoy them for us because it's Star Wars, it's Marvel, yeah. kids like that stuff. But they're for like older people who grew up with that stuff as well. And then you have your R rated movies, which of course are targeted more towards adults. I think. Gaming is going to very much go into that kind of same balance where we're already there, and with all those games you said that are coming up, actually. Yeah, and I mean, so I, I think was, this is going to I think this is going to continue. I was just looking at my library of PlayStation Four games, and I kept thinking, like, oh, how many of these games would I let my nephews play? Who are I'm you looking know, at my PS Four game list right now too, as you say and that. It's it's, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I I don't know, like maybe Uncharted and Spider Man, but like definitely not God of War. Um, oh my god, I'm looking I'm looking at my list right now. I have Danganronpa, Tekken oh my Seven, Grand Theft Auto Five, and um, and Until Dawn all stacked up right above each other. Exactly, and those are not oh something god. that you give to an eight year old or a oh ten year old for that matter. And even, you know, games that are coming to the Switch, the Switch has become like an open, an open area for anything now. So I wouldn't let them play Octopath, like, especially not Primrose's story, um, or Cyrus's, (laughs) like, those get pretty dark. Uh, uh, Luigi's Mansion, yeah, sure, Link's Awakening, yeah, sure, but, um... I mean, I'm not looking at my, my, my Switch library at the moment, but uh, a lot of the indie titles that are coming to Switch are definitely rated M for mature or, you know, older. Um, so, y- yes, the Switch is definitely a place for, for um, you know, uh, family-friendly titles. But, you know, I'm not going to make my 10-year-old play Final Fantasy twelve remake on Switch because no. that's a bad idea. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. And that's a good point. And that's another good point too. Uh, we, we were talking earlier about like the gaming consoles. Um, N64 had a few M-rated games, but it was definitely the place you wanted to go if you wanted to play more family-friendly games. Or PS1, all of its big hits were like the either T-rated games or the M-rated ones. Now we're at a point where certain systems might be more well known for something, but. In general, if you're going to Switch, you have a wide variety. Like you said, you have a wide variety of games to play from, like the family-friendly Luigi's Mansion or Smash to something more mature, like Dead by Daylight on Switch. I was just gonna say Dead by Daylight's on Switch. The Witcher Three is on Switch, and uh, uh-huh. you know, no, <laughs> like, yeah, no, not for kids. And even even you know the marketing that Nintendo does for the Switch has changed. Yeah. Um, so that we have seen in their own marketing, and I probably talked about this before, but in their own marketing, we've seen uh, situations in which we have young adults who are in their twenties walking around playing their Switch, riding on the subway playing their Switch in their thirties. And you never saw, a- and you, you never saw that before of commercial. Exactly. If you go back to those old commercials, always, very few of like, them had like. Yeah, playing on GameCubes and 3DSs. Now it's like you know Karen at a rooftop party having drinks, playing for <laughs> Switch. Like that is the reality of the Nintendo Switch right now. That's well, that's, uh, that's definitely the, that is the the uh, the way to show that your gaming is growing up with your audience when your marketing starts doing things like that. Oh my god, that's that's a statement on marketing too because. 
they they're very that's very targeted as well because the very first Switch trailer, the one you're referencing with Karen at the rooftop party, that trailer had almost entirely adults in that one. Yeah, right. Like these and uh, then, grown dudes in a in the backseat of a van after playing basketball, like they are adults <laughs> who have yeah, and, and and then they're, and they're good, and they they're cooling down by playing some NBA 2K on their Switch before they go back. Which I, I don't know how many. We're not going to talk about how realistic those trailers are. The <laughs> point is, adults were in those trailers, right? And then if you go back to like the 3DS trailers, there's a few like um kids in those they especially target to kids if you're looking at 2ds because that's more suited for kids but for switch no they were going for they were going for the throw in terms of like hey no adults are playing this now for the switch light ones i'm noticing they have more kids because that's more targeted towards kids who play handhelds mostly yeah but yeah that's it's become a, a bigger balance in terms of like the marketing and that's just showing how how gaming tastes evolved Mm-hmm. And I think that's the perfect example of what you were saying. Um, now, what was your question that I started answering and stopped? <laughs> My question: We were at, we were asking like, um, how do you think gamers today are playing the same games as they once uh, were? Um, now, saying all of that, I do think that developers are growing with their audience, like I said, and I do think that those that audience is uh, targeted uh, in games like uh, Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, etc. And that's us. And um, yeah. I what I what I don't see is developers creating those entry level titles for younger for a younger generation. Um so by that I mean like I'm sure that you know working on Final Fantasy 16 or the Final Fantasy 7 remake um that's not I guess it could be an entry title for a teenager who's never played a Final Fantasy game before. Um, sure. But I don't see it as that. Um, I don't see it as the Pokemon Let's Go of the Final Fantasy series, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and yeah, I think, no, it makes sense. You know, uh, The Last of Us 2, another great example, you know, for a kid coming into their own age wanting to play some, you know, uh, more mature titles. I don't think that that's a game that. I would start them with um, Telltale. I think would have been a really good place to start that because I think that they do have some serious things going on. But there's also like you know the, the the Walking Dead, for example. Like that's something that I would play with a younger child as long as it's not too like you know graphic or crazy. Something that you can play together that uh, evolves them into uh, older gaming on their own, so that they can do something like uh, play Detroit later on. Like, but. I think that uh, Final Fantasy is going to have that problem. I think that uh, a lot of developers are going to have that problem because right now, um, I, I was just speaking to my nephews, um, and I, I literally, this is a short story, I took my nephew to, I don't know if I told you this, but I took my nephew to GameStop, and I was uh-huh. like, I have a credit card, you can buy anything you want out of GameStop, like any Ooh. anything you want, like just pick one thing, whatever you want. And he's like, all right, I want a PlayStation gift card. And I was like, we're in GameStop. You have an unlimited <laughs> credit card. Are you sure that all you want is a PlayStation store card? And he was like, yeah, that's it. And I was like, one more time. Are you completely positive? This is your last chance. And I, he was like, yes. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to buy V-Bucks for Fortnite. I saw that coming. I saw and that coming. I was coming. like, but Link's Awakening is out right now. Like you, oh, oh, Link's Awakening. So this is so this is recent. Yes, this is literally this is the day that I bought Link's Awakening. This is the same day that I bought Link's Awakening. It was literally last oh, month. Oh um, man. And and this has happened on multiple occasions. Like for Christmas, I was like, okay, what do you guys want to play? Uh, we just want V Bucks for Fortnite. And I think that gamers right now are very stuck. Uh, younger generation is very stuck on things. Like uh, right now, it's Fortnite or um, you know something of that c- 
ca- uh, genre or caliber that I don't see too many kids, uh, unless it's like a Nintendo game, I don't see too many kids branching off into all the titles that we used to play. So like, um, I even let uh, some other kids play Kingdom Hearts 3. I was like, oh, you guys like Disney. Um, you'll probably enjoy this game. It's not too much Final Fantasy. It's mostly Disney. Um, and I also let my nephews, excuse me, play uh, Kingdom Hearts 1. So I was like, oh, yeah, you can try it three now. Like, it's it's fine because they don't care about the story. They were, like, super young. Who cares? They're just like, oh, yeah. Disney. Um, and they started it, and they're like, mm, I want to go play Fortnite. And I was like, what? Like, they well, don't have that drive for that action adventure. Um, to be fair to Kingdom Hearts, that game has a lot of Disney characters, of course. So kids would love it just to, like, look at it and stuff like that. That game is complicated for a little kid, though. Uh, it can be. I don't think so. Uh, well, sorry, sorry, I shouldn't say little kid. They're like eight and ten years old, like eleven okay, and no, ten. So no, like, eight, eight and ten. That's not too bad. Yeah, if it's like if it's like real small, it might be but like too much. But, my, I, I, but I got my nephew into Kingdom Hearts the series when he was like eight or nine, and he was fine with it after a little, you know, figuring some stuff out. Yeah. So they played the first one, and then like now though they're kind of stuck in this whole um, Fortnite thing. And mm. I think that those that type of gaming model is coming out a lot, and it's continuing uh, the way that it is. And I feel like it's going to trap a lot of the younger generation and not encourage them to try other titles, um, just based on experience from my friends who also have kids who are talking about you know just being stuck on something like Fortnite or um, anything in that genre. That's just like that gotcha genre of you know you you do the same things over the popular stuff. Stuff, like anything that's on stream that's popular like i don't see kids really getting into rpgs now for example like um not even like i, I you know i played wow when i was like 14 um i don't even know if people are doing you know mmos like that if you're if they're interested in those types of games and i don't see developers making those games for kids so i am a little scared this is probably all just in my head and it probably doesn't matter um but for the younger generation i don't i i don't know i don't know i i haven't seen that one game that has like latched teens and young adults on like fortnite that is not in the fps genre yeah, it's interesting, too, because as kids, you know... Whereas we were playing stuff like, you know, everything we mentioned earlier. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, because back then, you had to have so many games to get these experiences because we grew up in a time where online wasn't nearly as prevalent as it was then, if at all. So we didn't have, like, constantly changing things when we when we played our games that, like, you know, I can understand the appeal of Fortnite because every time you go on, it's a different thing because you're playing against different people and you're trying to go for the victory royale or whatever. Um, for, for the N64 games, for example, um, if you bought a party game and had enough you know, siblings or friends, you could probably spend a lot of time on that. But otherwise, you're looking at a lot of these single-player games, and when you're finished with them, you're finished with them. Yeah. And you have it's to just, go on to something else. And Fortnite is to. perpetually continuing. Like, there's no end. Perpetually continuing. And it's free. Yeah, and it's free. And it's also so, free to play online. Exactly. Unless you're buying the V-Bucks, which that's completely optional, a kid can just pop, pop open Fortnite and just have fun. Their parents are cool with it because it's free. Uh, the, their kid will occasionally maybe want to get some V-Bucks so, they can get, so their kid can get some cool equipment. That's a price they're willing to pay. And now that it's on everything, you know, it's, it's, it's on phones. It's on phones. And we also don't have, um, if you're looking outside of Nintendo, we also don't have, you know, that... 
hang out and play video games around uh, the living room with your friends uh, thing because everyone's online now. Um, yes, we don't have exactly. many couch co-op games anymore unless you're looking at the Switch. Yeah, exactly. Couch co-op games are definitely more relevant on a Switch, and the pro- and there's a problem with that too because I, that really needs a balance too. We're getting a little off topic, but I just want to say this real quick because Switch, because Nintendo, I love Nintendo dearly, but sometimes they're so behind on stuff. Sometimes they'll make these wonderful couch co-op games that don't have enough online components. And then if you you're like you know you and I, we don't live particularly. You close. mean like Mario Party? Yeah, because I like Mario oh my Party. god, what a disappointment. Oh my god, how did they, oh, they put on, they finally put online, but it was basically nothing. But anyway, that was, uh, I don't want to get too much into that topic, because that's a whole other discussion right there. But I do think that there could be a nice balance between couch co-op and online, because both have their merits, depending on, you know, how you live and what kind of games you like to play. And Fortnite just works so well because it can it can do both. It's a ver- it's obviously an online game, but you can also get a bunch of kids that play on the same server and play together that way. I've seen it happen on many times. I go to family gatherings, I, and because it's crossplay too, I have one kid that's playing a uh, Fortnite on his PS4. Two kids that are playing either on their phones or tablets, but they're all playing the same game. So they're <laughs> yeah. in the same room, but they're still all playing together. So yeah. it, it covers both bases. Exactly. I can't even. I, I, it's, I'm not a Fortnite player, but I can't hate on that because it's 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 fulfilling the needs. Oh, also, just a little also off topic, but back to something we said earlier. Two of the biggest games that I played on the Switch this year that I, I loved, one of them being my game of the year right now, is Fire Emblem and Astral Chain, and both uh-huh. of those are definitely not for kids. Like yeah, in any form so. of, especially not Fire Emblem. Like that game is no. But even yeah. the even the 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 without spoiling it for anyone who hasn't played, but even the intro cinematic is like, whoa, okay, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> like, this game is about to get so serious. The all I gotta say is you'll die for that, and it's like, whew. yeah. Then I was like, well, that, this that, is that, not for kids, and I that's, think that's that's way darker example. than pretty much any scene of Fire Emblem. Yeah, anyway. like that's another example of what I mean by you know these companies growing with its audience. Like story wise, that that game is my game of the year right now. Still, same here. And that that is like an evolution of the Fire Emblem series based on, of course, like I don't know because I haven't played all of them, but based on what I've heard and based on what you guys have told me, this is probably like the most in-your-face blatant, like this is not a kid's game game from the series ever. Yeah. Um, so sure. I do think we're we're growing along with these developers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because um, I forgot I was listening to a podcast that I don't remember which one, and they were talking about Final Fantasy and they were talking about um, the next generation of Final Fantasy, and um, they were they were they were discussing how you know Tetsuya Nomura is like fifty something at this point and he started yep. when he was like 25 and it's the same thing with a lot of uh nintendo employees who are like in their 50s and 60s who started when they were in their 20s and if they don't get you know replaced we won't have that new younger generation stuff to get us all because we grew up essentially with them you know uh Tetsuya right. created kingdom hearts uh for us and like he's getting older with us so we're getting the final fantasy remake from those uh, original creators like however many years later and unless they find a way to get a younger generation in there to start creating and making these new innovative ideas that'll bring in the new generation uh this conversation is getting a little scary 
Yeah, it is. It is pretty kind of scary, but I'm also hopeful, and I'm yeah, hopeful, course. and we'll and we'll um we'll make this like the last time because this is getting a little long. But like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm hopeful because you know, like you said, we have these developers that have been around for a long time, but at the same time, they realize that their time is coming, and they are starting to groom the next generation. And a good example of that is with Splatoon, actually, because Splatoon, specifically, is being made by younger developers of Nintendo. Same thing with ARMS, but more so with Splatoon, where, you know, they are games that are very much considering how the audience is changing. Splatoon is a very style-centered game, because, you know, style is becoming more important, because more people are playing games. It's not just like one one click group or whatever so style is important because more people are playing and that's i think one of the reasons why splatoon has gotten so big in japan for that reason then it's an online it's an online shooter game that dared to do something very different where the object where you can shoot your opponent sure but the objective is to like paint the territory and whatnot and then you have all these abilities it's a very nintendo game but it also feels like it's looking at what's around them and taking that into account and if we get more developers that are you know evolving but also staying traditional to the you know us i think we we could be in for some for some good games so regardless of how taste change in, in in gaming i think there'll always be something for someone to play and there's just more people than ever playing these games and you know who knows what the kids of today they're playing Fortnite now who knows what they'll be playing in the future maybe they'll be playing last of us five yeah, <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe they'll be playing Fortnite three maybe or maybe Fortnite. oh maybe my Fortnite, god <laughs> maybe Fortnite will just never die and that'll just become the game but you know what even if it does, there's always the, the industry is going in such a way that there will always be like games for everyone to play because it's the biggest form of media out there right now. That's just how it is. Or so, we'll I'll um, just be stuck playing all these games as the generation, the gaming generation. But the point, yeah. Uh, but but I will say really quickly because I know we're wrapping up. I will say that my faith is in Nintendo because I don't see the PS5 being a seller for you know a younger generation. Neither do I see the Xbox One or I'm sorry the Xbox whatever it's going to call Project Scarlet whatever it'll be. But yeah. um, I think the Wii was the perfect innovation for family gaming. Yep, um, I, I agree. The Switch is also becoming that because it's portable because the 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 uh, joy cons are attached to it you can just simply take it off play with friends they have games um they have a lot of party games so i do think nintendo is going to be uh keeping the family in um gaming and mm-hmm. i do think that because the switch is opening up to so many different games like there are m-rated games on the eShop right now yeah uh, so, yeah, like, yeah. The fact that the Switch is so open is also giving me hope uh, for a younger generation. Yeah. And everybody has one, so. Absolutely. So I think if we, I, I just think that, like, and this, I, I have a closing thought. I'll ask for your closing thoughts, and then I'm going to ask a question to our audience members who listen to the podcast. So my closing thought is, you know, if we come into an era with Legend, I, I started this early with Legend of Zelda, and I'm going to end with it. If we can get to a point where, a game like Link's Awakening is mostly adored by the fans who are used to other games like such like Twilight Prince and stuff like that, and we can love it as opposed to Wind Waker. Then I think there's hope for like all kinds of games out there to be appreciated by anyone. Really, we're at a point where games are an art form and they can do whatever art form they choose, and there'll be an audience for it. And I'm glad that we've kind of evolved to that point where nothing is is lambasted just because it wasn't exactly what they um, what the industry was suggested it needed to be. And I appreciate that. Do you have any closing thoughts? 
Um, I do. The only thing I'd like to say is that people who are bitching about um, remakes don't because uh, yes. I think Tell remakes them. Them are right amazing. I think they give opportunities for some of us in this gaming generation who have never played these games before the opportunity to actually play them for once. Um, even remasters as well. I have been able to complete yeah. a lot of my Final Fantasy library thanks to the Nintendo Switch and the ability to replay remasters that I will play for the first time. Remasters. Um, um, uh, so don't complain about Resident Evil 2 Remake because that was awesome. It was my first time playing that game. Even the the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, I am I am in my gaming prime and I'm able to finally play some classics like Final Fantasy 7 and the updated one coming up next year. So don't bitch and complain about gaming remakes because they're freaking awesome. That's it. Yep. And, that, and that reminds me, this this is very topical. The whole Death Stranding thing recently getting, you know, confirmed for, for PC. Oh, for P- yeah. Yeah, like, um, if you're canceling your pre-order for the PS4 because you just want a version that's superior, that's cool. I can respect that. But if you're canceling just because it's it's now going to be available for more people to play and enjoy, you are an absolute disgrace. I, I will just put that <laughs> out there. Yeah, don't be a poophead. Um, don't don't do that. Like game, making games that are that are going to be celebrated or maybe not. Whatever, it doesn't matter because we ha- Death Stranding hasn't come out yet. But in general, if a game is good, he's awesome. Yeah, he's exactly. Don't do that to him. But what I was going to say is like, if a game is good. Give as many give people as many opportunities they can to play it. Like you were saying, don't get upset about remakes because that if anything that gives you more people to talk about the game, you know, gatekeeping is 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 bad stuff. Horrible. Just let just just let people enjoy the games on whatever it happens to become available on. And that's exactly. all I'm going to say about that. But we do need so to my, talk about this later because I do think that exclusives are important because that's the only reason people buy certain platforms. And I have other too. thoughts on it, but we'll we'll tackle that on another. I think we should too. Yeah. Anyway, so my closing question to all of our listeners is: How does your games t- taste change? Do you find yourself enjoying different games than what you enjoyed when you were younger? Do you enjoy the same games but maybe a little bit different, or has your gaming taste stayed completely static your entire life? All of those are valid, but we want, but we want to hear all of it. So we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of HP Critical. It was a very fun discussion, and you know. Thanks for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Goodbye. Bye.